Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, sometimes multiple times a week. And this week, it's I Pessimist. I feel like I heard you say that once before. Maybe you did. Who's to say? Well, you know, if I did, I feel like I wasn't really here for it. Welcome to our podcast. As you were, I podcast about Alkaline Trio. I being Tim Crisp, he being David Anthony. He introduced the show mm-hmm. to you this week. He's the, he's the one that started by saying, welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Um, every week on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week... We talked about one Alkaline Trio song already. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it again today. <laughs> you know, double your pleasure, double your fun. I just needed an excuse to see that haircut again. Yeah, baby, I got a haircut. I broke the rules. Well, technically <laughs> not, but I did get a haircut. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, this is our podcast. It's about Alkaline Trio. And when we started this podcast, we said, oh, what a great idea. We can just talk about Alkaline Trio once a week. It'll be so fun. Mm-hmm. No stress. And, uh, <coughs> and then David coughed. And yeah. then that completely disrupted the whole program. Um, no. Um, so we sat down to record an episode of this podcast yesterday and after we finished recording i texted david well i sent you an instagram dm because our phones weren't working i'm telling you the world was against me yesterday i will say uh, i don't know whose side this was on whether it was mine or a lot of people who happen to be on the same network i'd heard some of my coworkers were saying that like certain service providers were being wonky for them yesterday mm. but like i wasn't getting texts from you and then like at 11 p.m i got all of them along with like five other people's texts just like <laughs> um, which is not what i want at 11 p.m that's that's my time that's when i'm chilling out that's david's time do y'all know that david reads one wikipedia article a night mm-hmm. before bed every night i you learn so much most you also learn thing shit. I've ever heard. There's also a lot of shit that you uh, just like, because I just do the random button. Uh-huh. And sometimes like, you know, if it lands on something where there's like three lines, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm moving on to something else. Uh, not every page is as engaging as some, but it's pretty fun. What did you read about last night? God, what was last night? Um, it was a movie. I'm trying to remember. Um, fuck. Guys oh, and it dolls. Was, no, no, it was uh, Screwed, the Dave Chappelle, Danny DeVito film from, I think it was the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. I love Dave Chappelle's early to mid 90 movie making arc. Pre- it's weird. A half-baked Dave Chappelle. So, got a weird career going. But hey, um, so, true fact, um, I texted David yesterday after we recorded the podcast and I, I said, how was I? Was I, was I all right? Was I doing okay? And I said, Tim, you were great. You're the best podcaster of all time. And 
I said, I know that, but how was I in that moment? And I mean, essentially I had a bit of a panic attack last night. Um, and very kind of out of control of my physical body. And oddly enough, you'd think that something like this would kind of make its uh, make its case pretty fucking obvious when you think about it. But what had happened was uh, half an hour before we started recording this podcast, I watched a video that is, I'll just say, um, relevant to the time that we're in right now. And it was deeply upsetting. Mm-hmm. And I sort of sort of lost control over my um my heart rate and all sorts of bodily functions and was just feeling bad for several hours last night. And David was kind enough to say, let's do it again. Round two. Technically round three, because there's an episode we recorded a couple of weeks ago that we did not post. So this is really round three of a next episode. Maybe we'll just keep going. Maybe it'll be around four, maybe around I five. Have a Who's funny to say? Story for the episode of Road to the Skeleton Coast that will be coming out this week as it relates to the episode that we did last week where we kept making jokes about uh, how we had to record the episode over again. I'm uh-huh. telling you, we're talking about slapstick, and I think that the whole topic is cursed. Maybe it is. Uh, is this thing cursed? But it's entirely likely. Anyway, um, I think that it's a thing that while, um, you know, I am hoping that people are able to, you know, take this news in and not allow it to affect them in such a, such a scary um, way as it, as it did to me last night, feeling completely out of control. But I think it's a, you know, something that we're all kind of dealing with right now where we sort of absentmindedly open up our phones and are hit with some really, really intense shit. So yes, that, that has been happening a lot. We do hope that this is finding you well and that things are, you know, that you're finding this at a, at a time where you can decompress and relax, even though we've kind of got to address some things. Up yeah, we, we do need to talk about some stuff, which, to be fair, we talked about a little bit on the last episode. Not as in-depth. Time mm-hmm. keeps moving. Things keep changing. More keeps happening. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's important to, you know, go on the record about some of that stuff. And also, you know, obviously, neither of us are uh, the authorities on really any of these topics. So Mm -hmm. let's keep that in mind as we uh, begin to address them. And with that, um, so I guess to start, we um, talked about this year uh, when the subject came up, but Matt Skiba posted a picture of himself wearing a cop t-shirt that upset a lot of people because Mm -hmm. it was kind of a fucked up t-shirt in general not just being like a you know an nypd shirt but it was uh it was a kind of off it was like 
Well, it was a jokey Chicago homicide starts a shirt where I think the quote was like, our day starts when your day ends or whatever. Um, it's like, whatever. Um, you know, I remember seeing it and being, you know, genuinely like my first reaction was being upset yeah. because I'm just like, dog, like, <clears throat> you know, obviously when that was posted, all the issues that we're seeing play out and, and be addressed over the past couple of weeks were just as true. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like they started when these things started. These are, you know, uh, systemic issues that like date back hundreds and hundreds of years. So like, you know, it's, it was difficult to see then. And when people on social media were resurfacing it last week, you know, it was kind of, you know, you can't really defend it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the most he did was delete it. So it's like, not even like he really articulated it much. Yeah. Um, it kind of, it comes out and I think it comes out in a way that, you know, we addressed it on this show and I think we, um, addressed it just as, you know, just in our own personal lives and then on this public platform. And when you see it come back up, there's, I think a bit of a, you know, column A and column B and column A is like, you fucking get what you deserve for posting that picture in the first place. And then yeah. there's column B that's like, is this really what we're fucking talking about right now? Is we're taking time out yeah. of uh, some important issues to go after Matt Skiba. Well, I mean, I think it, it is one of those things where it's like a point that I, I want to bring up is like just out of the gate that like, you know, we're seeing the concept of policing and like the utility of police even in entertainment being kind of rethought for the first time you mm-hmm. know actors on brooklyn 99 and you know donating money because they profit off of playing the role of a police officer and encouraging others to do the same which i think is fair work that does mm-hmm. not change the fact that like i grew up loving lethal weapon i grew up loving right. die hard you mm-hmm. know um, and I can appreciate those things as just pure entertainment while knowing that I don't agree with the institution that is the police force. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have never had a positive experience with the police and I am a white guy, mm-hmm. uh, to just fully, you know, lay some shit out there. The first time I as like an older person ever had to deal with a cop was when I was 16. I was driving my stepbrother who is half Mexican and my friend Mark, who is when we were in high school was like a six, three, 350 pound big Mexican guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some white kids blew a light T-boned us cop showed up. And then the cop pulls me aside and he's like, where are your drugs? And I was straight edge at the time. I didn't start even drinking until my mid twenties. I've never smoked anything in my entire life. I'm aggressively boring. Um, And we had to because my friends were Brown, Mm -hmm. we had to convince them that we didn't have drugs because we got hit by like rich white kids who were drunk and they didn't want to touch them. That was yeah. my first real experience. 
you know, my friend Mark, who is like one of the closest people in my life. I text him every day. We've been like homies since like the seventh grade. Uh, you know, he and I were just talking, you know, a couple of weeks ago, texting back and forth about our experiences where it's like, yeah, like, you know, he's a big dude to a lot of cops who most, you know, uh, look at people who are different from them with fear uh, and aggression. He looks like a threat, Mm -hmm. you know, and we were talking about that shit. Uh, So when I say that, like, I can appreciate a movie or TV show with cops in it, that doesn't mean that the cognitive dissonance isn't existing within me. I can realize that it's an institution that has caused a lot of pain. Um, You know, that like, if I wasn't white in that situation, things could have gone a lot worse. Mm -hmm. We're fucking sure. But even though I was, I still got, you know, the fucking, the whole nine yards from them. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of people who maybe have never had those experiences with police, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When we talked about, this issue in regards to Matt Skiba last year, you know, I made the point to say that like, it doesn't shock me that he doesn't see a problem with wearing that shirt because as you astutely point out, it probably came from, it was probably gifted to him by a fan of his who is a cop. And secondarily, Uh most of his experiences with authority over the past 10 years have been like security guards and cops transporting from a hotel to a stage. And that is it. Mm -hmm. Um, So to him, someone who clearly isn't keeping up with the times, just things like, ah, gift from fan. I'm going to wear it and post about it. That seems like a nice thing to do. Not realizing that there is a very ugly world outside his front door that he just never has to look, look at. Yeah. Um, and that comes from a lot of things and uh you know we don't want to be too prescriptive on what but i think something that we can say uh you know with a good amount of authority is the fact that he hasn't had to exist uh in the uh normal day-to-day for a fucking long time and especially since he joined blink 182 no no and you know, there is the difference between him writing one of their very first songs, 97, which is what happens after being busted by a cop for weed mm-hmm. and then writing the song cop. Mm-hmm. And then 2019 when he's posting a photo of that. And, <coughs> you know, people were sending that around and I don't know, he's on Instagram a fair amount, just kind of posting and responding to comments. I don't know if someone flagged it to him or not. i did not feel the need to dig through Matt Skiba's comments to try and suss that out. Uh, uh-huh. But what I will say is that like to his credit, he, you know, after the fact and without addressing the uh, cancellation, so to speak directly, he, you know, starts posting things for auction, sending the money towards black lives matter, which like, yeah, you know, um, you someone shouldn't have to get called out to then do a good thing, but I'm also not going to shit on him given the fact that he has enough of a platform to um, raise a pretty substantial amount of money. Yeah. I also think that like, it's, um, 
I think that it's important to um, consider too that this is something that a lot of people are dealing with in ways that they weren't really prepared for. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, have had conversations in the past week or so with people who did not know that there was a, uh, an idea out there that we should abolish the police, Mm -hmm. that this is like a new concept for so many people. And I think that it is like, I think it's important to keep in mind that you can support Black Lives Matter and also unknowingly support the police in a way that is counter to that support of Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, you know, it's something that we're all dealing with on a much more personal level right now. I'm sure that a lot of people are having conversations with people that they care about that are, you know, tense, but also in many ways cathartic because Mm -hmm. I think that my experience of the past week has been reaching family members who um, are actually looking at the police in a way that makes a lot of sense when you're talking to uh, older middle-class white guys that they fucking hate paying taxes. And all of a sudden the police have turned into this like Hank Hill type thing where it's like, Oh, you're the $4,000 flashlight. What's this? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, so I have friends who work in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. um, One of whom is also like a pretty uh, open and out like DSA member, um, Mm -hmm. democratic socialists of America for those who aren't up on the lingo. Um, And he talks a lot about, you know, the case for Medicare for all is that it's just costing people more money. Like if you're talking to someone who is a like conservative or libertarian person, it's that like, because so many people can't pay, you end up paying more, which Mm -hmm. is why the system is broken. And when people bring up like, well, if it's gone, like we're, what are we going to do to all those jobs? It's like, there's still going to need to be a series of systems at work that are employing people to keep things running. Um, So when people talk about the same thing with the abolition of the police force and like, well, what are these jobs going to be? It's like, guess what? We're going to have more social workers. Guess what? Like, you know, that cop, if they want to continue to work in that space, they can, you know, go get a degree because currently getting, you know, certified to be a police officer is 21 weeks. It's basically six months. Um, You know, that is not that long. Um, and, you know, in Chicago, where you and I live, where this band we talk about every week was formed, we're spending $4 million a day on policing. Um, that, that's a really absurd amount of money for anything, mm-hmm. uh, especially something that, as we've seen so dramatically over the past few weeks um, across the country, is not doing the best job in the, I believe it's 20 days um, since George Floyd was murdered, police have killed 120 people. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Like that is an astounding number for a profession that should, that shouldn't be happening, uh, especially yeah. in the fucking streets. I mean, I, I feel like w- one thing that has been really helpful for me in having conversations is the fact that, you know, when, 
when I was growing up, certain concepts were explained to me in ways that were meant to make sense. You know, well, here's the thing about communism. If everybody's guaranteed to make this much money, why would anybody work very hard? Well, let me ask you a question about uh, fucking guaranteed salaries and a pension and mm -hmm. the knowledge that if you break the law, it's not going to apply to you in the same way that it does to other people. Yeah, qualified immunity. We have, we have systems that are set up that feel like they are necessary to human existence and they're not. We made them up. So it's, it's easy to break things down if you break them down conceptually and it's also easier to have conversations that maybe weren't easy to have five years ago mm -hmm. when Michael Brown was murdered or when Trayvon Martin was murdered. We have a lot of voices that are out there in the air that are only there to by design to confuse people and to make them focus on things other than the actual issues that are at hand. Talk to your people and talk to them about the police, why we need them, because thing is, it's a bureaucracy and nobody mm -hmm. likes fucking government. Yeah, and I think we can talk about the failures of an institution openly, and I think doing so is what being a conscious, empathetic person is, right? Just because something may not be affecting you does not mean it's not affecting others. Um, you know, to uh, tie us back to healthcare is like, just because you're not sick right now doesn't mean you won't be at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing is, you know, true of um, people with guns on the streets. You know, um, the, you, you may not be the one they're chasing down today, but who's to say what's happening a month from now? Um, and to that end, you know, I wanted to take a moment while we were discussing this that like, through all of this, I think, you know, it's not only a teachable moment, but I think it's, it's driven home the fact that, you know, in subcultural communities like punk and hardcore and metal and all these other things, people have done so much work and raised so much money and, you know, done, put a level of effort uh, into this that I've never seen before. Um, mm -hmm. I was texting with uh, a friend of mine, about it. I'm like, isn't it weird that now we just have normal people opinions? Like when I used to talk about this stuff in high school, people thought I was a fucking lunatic. But now mm -hmm. like everybody's, most people just kind of feel this way. That's cool. So I think that's good. And I think it's important to acknowledge that like, you know, I, I've not made a big show of it on social media because I feel weird about it. But you know, like I've been selling records on Discogs and all the money that I make, I just put towards something, you know? <laughs> and over the past week, that has been $1,100, you know, um, because yeah. why not? Mm -hmm. And that is me just as an individual. Uh, bands, artists, you know, other podcasts, our rivals and Blink-155 raised a fuck ton of money. And how cool is that shit? Unbelievable. It's so inspiring. Um, my partner has um, done a lot of work with, creating smart sheet spreadsheets for organizations that help them with their accountability mm -hmm. um 
and uh, you know to show to donors like here's how the money's being used and also for uh, people within the organization to just you spend money goes into here it's so cool because it's what she does for work and it's what she enjoys doing and seeing it's her what put, she can offer to this moment totally and um you know i i haven't announced this on the podcast but at this point um i am a uh, professional podcaster and i mean that in the sense that i am now making a living doing podcasts which is fucking unreal because i never thought that that could happen um uh but between uh you me and the walls and the millions and millions listening at home david uh all of that money is going to better yet llc and as far as the uh, state of illinois and the united states government knows tim crisp is unemployed and you mm-hmm. know where that unemployment money's been going the last few weeks yeah, I'm, I mean, that's the thing, you know, like, I think it's important to acknowledge anyone doing good. And I think whether that is, sounds dumb, and, you know, people used to clown on it, but like, you know, like even people just posting shit, posting articles in their Instagram stories or on Facebook or on Twitter, like, you never know what the thing that's going to hit someone who is um, previously ign- agnostic to the issue. You mm-hmm. never know what the thing that's going to click in is. Mm-hmm. It's important to keep having the conversations. It's important to check yourself it's important to check your heroes which is i think what we're getting to ultimately here like yeah at some point over the past week someone clearly brought something up to matt skiba and he started selling handwritten lyric sheets and shoes and whatever and you know great i'll take it and today as we record this earlier today like he posted um like a gay pride version of the blink 182 and and heart skull alkaline trio logo and was going back um, at people who were saying negative things about it. And it's like, I do think his heart is in the right place. I think he just, he doesn't think about it until it's in front of him. Yeah. And hopefully people just continue to put it in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then maybe he can just do that on his own, but let's not count our chickens before they hatch. <laughs> <laughs> I optimist. But hey, uh, while we're here, let's talk about a track on My Shame is True called I Pessimist. My favorite record, my favorite song. song. (laughs) I tell you what, uh, coming off of a record that I haven't really had too strong of an opinion on uh, in any way, um, this was a track that I really enjoyed. It comes in and it does the damage and then it leaves in two minutes yeah. and 12 seconds well let's um there's there's a few things with the song that i think are pretty unique to it and one is that it's the only one where they bring in a really notable guest vocalist who also says the first words in the song yes of course they did bring in a guest vocalist um that being brendan kelly Wrote the Skeleton Coast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. No, 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 no. That's I Want to Be a Warhol. Yeah, whatever. Or as I prefer, I Want to Be a Warthog. Oh, wait, we talked about that song? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Brennan's on it. Very, very memorable vocal part from Well, I mean, Brennan I guess, okay, so let's, let's, let's talk no, about the I history. No, I see of, what you're saying, though. I see what you're yes. saying. Let's talk about their history of guest vocals. Keith Morris going, no. No. <laughs> Brennan Kelly going, let's go. So uh-huh. one word, 
two words and then they finally let someone sing a lot of words yeah yeah and it's tim from rise against with a very very good vocal performance and Mm -hmm. i mean that like tim could i don't think tim is capable of a bad vocal performance yeah i mean He's one of those people where even from the early days of Rise Against, he could clearly sing a lot better. Than, and when I say sing, I mean sing mm-hmm. than a lot of his peers. Um, in terms of people who I would put in a similar world, right, who I, who I would say were also very good singers, I, I would say Jason Shevchuk, Kid Dynamite, has mm-hmm. that ability to kind of turn it on and off and, and, and hold a tune a little bit while staying gravelly. Uh, Thomas from Strike Anywhere, similar mm-hmm. thing. Um, but something about Tim is just a little more, it's, it feels a little more from his chest. It's a little more full. He's never really cracking the notes. He knows how to like be singing the note and then twist it just enough to put a little grit onto it. Um, and it's, you know, there's a very clear reason why, uh, that band got exceptionally popular. Yeah. I remember hearing, Rise Against a little bit later on uh, when I was in high school and it felt like they were part of a a new flux of punk bands that were coming out and um, Rise Against more than any of them and that includes Against Me. Rise Against was the one that stood out the most to maybe just because Tim's vocals are so unique. Yeah. It's just, it's just I, I think, a combination of just a naturally kind of uh, interesting talking voice that he puts gruff behind, but he doesn't shift his voice at all. No, no. And he can just project, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you hear that even on a Revolutions for a Minute, like a song like, like The Angel. You can really belt it in those choruses, and he gets better and better at it. And I think on this song... You know, I will say, if I were to look at this from a more negative lens, I'm like, oh, this is a cool Rise Against B-Side that Dan does guest vocals on. Um, mm-hmm. But to, to speak, I think, more genuinely, I think this song is one that on the record gets a little lost because in the track list, there's just a lot of filler. And after yeah. a few filler tracks, a record can really start to feel like a slog. And on the album when I listen to it and the song comes up, I'm just kind of like, it's hard to muster that much enthusiasm because it's like, it's a, it's better than what came before it, but then there's just an immediate step down. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in isolation, it's like a very solid, uh, it, it's just very well done, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think if this was like the A side to a seven inch, like I, th- I wonder how differently it would be regarded by some people. I feel like this is a song that could have done very well on Is This Thing Cursed? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Because that record is kind of lacking in songs that are short and punchy in the way that this one is. Um, and I think this this has some things that still feel like them, but done differently. And there is a slightly experimental bent to them. Um, what I mean by that is the bridge is like wholly different from the rest of the song. Yeah. It's a completely different thing that kind of just slots into that part. What I think is my favorite part of the song. The bridge personally. is fucking fantastic. And I love that it's the, the beat does not slow down at all. 
but there's this space at the end of each phrase where it just kind of builds. And I think that Derek does a really good job Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, adding a little bit more momentum each time those open spaces hit. He doesn't get too busy. Um, He really just hits. Well, I mean, that's the thing is it's, it's so interesting because instead of doing a drum fill, he's just like, whap, 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 whap. And Mm -hmm. then they kind of go into the part, but he retains that energy and does that several times in the bridge, which instead of just making it feel like a weird transition piece, it's like, oh no, this is part of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan's bass playing, which I think is really buried in the mix, is very busy in a way that's reminiscent of early Alkaline Trio or even some of his like slapstick shit. Yeah, it is totally buried because there's like nine guitar tracks on this song. It's yeah. so overloaded. You know, when you have two guitars that are just doing that, Donna, Donna, you don't need another two that are just kind of adding noise to it. No. It's like they're filling out spaces and you can see like one's doing a little bit more high end stuff. Nothing that's like too busy or like there's no leads, but it's just so it's very, much. I mean, they're putting a lot of texture in when I think that's not what's needed. Um, that whole strumming pattern is texture, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not a lead part. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a sped up version of like the goodbye forever intro riff of, you know, Matt's very like staccato, which is cool. Um, you know, it, it very much feels like the melding of the performers who are making the song. Um, you know, and I think to speak to the fact of like why Tim works really good on the song works really well because it's this record is the Alkaline Trio one recorded by Bill Stevenson. He's done numerous rise against records. He knows Mm. how to make that guy sound great. Um, And I think that's, you know, I, I have my complaints about this record because I think Bill Stevenson is a great songwriter and he's incredible at producing his own bands. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with bands that tend to veer off the rails a little bit, he reigns them in a little too much. And I think that's kind of what happens yeah. um, throughout this album. But on a song like this, you kind of see those little flashes, uh, which are really exciting. Totally. Totally. Um, I do. I will say that I love that guitar effect after the bridge like drops out. And you oh, hear like that fade in on straw. that. It's it's so silly, <laughs> but I'm there for it. I think that Dan's uh, vocals here are really good too. Like, not even just like, oh, this is good. Like in comparison to Tim, mm-hmm. it's like you don't hear Dan gruff things up like he does no. on this ever. No, I mean it's just not something he really does after a certain point. You know, mm-hmm. and he kind of flirts with it here and there on the Tuesday record. Um, mm-hmm. And I think is really good. And I think there's like moments on like, I lied my face off where you kind yeah, of see sure. it. But it's not this. Like he's really trying to match Tim, which I think is interesting because I think he does it very well. And I think he's not really, you know, I think live he kind of gets into that territory sometimes, which is really cool. Um, yeah. He's someone who can really build a vocal melody and vocal phrase to kind of this explosive point. 
And this song actually puts that on the record. Yeah, I think that it it is interesting because I think we associate so much softness with Dan's voice. And to well, I mean, him... writes songs about like plugging in an electric blanket. Like, yeah. come on now. <laughs> but not even like what he sings about. It's like Dan is definitely the 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 softy. Yeah, he is. And we brought this up when we recorded this yesterday, and I think it would be worth discussing now. Is I think <clears throat> ultimately some of the failures of this record also fall on the fact that Matt was very clearly trying to write his Ramones album. You know, mm-hmm. like she lied to the FBI, want to be a Warhol, the torture doctor. Um, you know, he's just, he's, he's writing really straightforward songs that like, I think at their best, like are pretty effective at what they're going for. Uh-huh. But what happens here, and we've talked about this with every album, is that Dan is often running counter to Matt. He's trying to balance what Matt is doing. Mm-hmm. Normally, that results in him, you know, softening things. But he didn't really have to do that here. Things were already straight ahead, mm-hmm. kind of standard. So I think you see on this record and on the Broken Wing EP, Dan really kind of pushing in a lot of different directions. Um, yeah. And I don't think it always works. There are some bad Dan songs on this record. But there's some really good ones. And uh, I this is a record where... It, I've said it endlessly, but if they didn't release every single song they wrote for it, we'd probably, I, I'd probably be talking about it differently. Don't need 13 song records. We just don't. It's, it's 2020. <laughs> um, we come well, we out. Don't need, <laughs> we don't need that. And then a four song EP on top of it. We don't need yeah. 17 fucking songs. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you rate this one? I'm going to give it a three. I like it. I don't love it. I give it a three and a half. Um, I think it is just, it's just got a cool energy to it. Um, and it's, it's a fun guest vocal performance, which, you know, I think we also, we, we did talk about the fact that they have these two other ones where they're not doing all that much, but I think mm-hmm. the way that they integrate Tim into this and make it feel like it's, you know, less of just a, Hey, yeah, yeah, famous friend is here. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I think it it's a song that has a really good cohesion to it, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't overthink, which yeah. is um, a good thing when it works. It's nice to see. This is our podcast. It's called "As You Were a Podcast" about Alkaline Trio. We talked about an Alkaline Trio song twice this week. Uh, and you're hearing it for the first time, and we do appreciate that you're here and that you're listening, and we hope that it's finding you well. We invite you to tell a friend, come back next week. We will be talking about another one. If you uh, haven't subscribed to it yet, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, Um, I have no idea. A a nice rating on the uh, the old podcast player of your choice would be good. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were, uh, you could hear the episode that we were going to air this week that we didn't because we felt like it was just a little a little tone deaf. And you can also hear fucking me talking to Matt Allison, which yeah, tell boy. you what. Let me tell you, I, I want to tease this out because we've talked about it on the podcast proper. And if mm-hmm. you're still listening, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, Tim 
uh, straight up asks him why uh, from here to infirmary sounds like that. And he doesn't tell you, but he tells you. And he does say, yeah, those drums do sound like they're clipping. And that's why I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you know, we started this because we enjoy hanging out with each other and we enjoy it so much that uh, we did it extra this week and we'll do it next week. Probably not extra, but we will. We'll do it next week. We'll see you then. Thank you.